you know, at what point is the Fed going to look at each other and say, you know what, we've whipped inflation here. Let's just start cutting rates. They're not, I, I don't see that happening. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's Interactive Brokers podcast. I'm Andrew Wilkinson, Director of Trading Education. I'm joined by my colleague, Steve Sosnick, who's our Chief Strategist, and Senior Economist, Jose Torres. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Jose. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Steve. Great to be here again. It's great to have you back. We've got a lot to talk about. Let's get straight into it. Jose, last week we had the March employment data, uh, somewhat of a softening. The private ADP reading showed a decline in employment from 261,000 to 145. And then the official government reading from the BLS showed a softening from 326,000 to 236,000. We've still got an unemployment rate very near the historic lows of 3.5%. We've also got this week um, consumer price report uh, due midweek. Inflation looks like it's heading from 5%, sorry, from 6% down to 5%. How critical is, is, is that in the context of what the Fed's job ahead is? Great question. Let me start off with jobs. So the discrepancy is a lot narrower when you take out government employment from the BLS, which was a big boost for March employment. Private sector employment slowed significantly. When you look at the some of the cyclical areas like manufacturing, construction, and retail, those all lost jobs in March. When we look at the ADP report, without the contribution from small and mid-sized firms, we actually would have lost jobs because large companies trimmed a lot of labor in March. As far as the unemployment rate, we're starting to see folks come back into the labor force. We're seeing the labor force participation increase. Historically speaking, the unemployment rate tends to be very low immediately prior to recession. And I think that's where we're going, consistent with the uh, 2023 economic outlook that we released in uh, late December. As far as consumer prices, we're, the report this week will show some relief in the overall categories particularly because oil prices softened in March. However, the services category is still extremely problematic. In fact, when we look at the jobs report, the leisure and hospitality was the big gainer in both the ADP and BLS jobs reports. Folks, while they're not spending on big ticket items, durable goods like furniture, refrigerators, stuff like that, or vehicles, they are spending on experiences. A lot of that is due to the pent-up demand from COVID. And that area, leisure and hospitality, continues to have big labor shortages. It tends to be lower paid. Folks aren't as ecstatic to go into work in that sector. Uh, and that's driving a lot of the services inflation. I think that the, this CPI report will be cheered by the market. But I think that the one we receive next month, due to oil prices, we have our in-house models here showing that the uh, April inflation report, which comes out in May, is going to be particularly hot. As far as the Fed, we've seen a monetary policy juxtaposition in March where they've essentially put out the fire in the banking sector by raising their balance sheet and providing liquidity, but at the same time still providing guidance that they're going to be increasing rates, right? So that's looser on one side, tighter on the other. I am of the bias that they're going to go higher for longer. Very good. Uh, so, Steve, last time we sat down a month ago, there was a banking crisis going on. Okay. There what, still is. What, what banking crisis is? 
it doesn't feel like there's one right now. It's always difficult to say. Nobody rings a bell and says the crisis is over. You 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 don't get that. The first things, the first banks that went down were what I would consider the weakest sisters. You you can point to something with each of them. Signature Bank was crypto related. It's it's pretty clear what's happened to crypto. I'm sorry, Silvergate was the first. I, I miss Silvergate was crypto. SBNY's uh, signature was also crypto, and they had a pension for being involved in sort of all the weirdest corners of New York area finance, taxi medallions, uh, lending to real 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 estate companies that that were otherwise shunned. That sort of thing. SVB was a very unique situation, and Credit Suisse has been problematic for years, certainly since the Archegos debacle. And so, you know, this is what you get when you have interest rates rising. It's a bit of a culling of the herd. And, you know, SVB pointed out the classic duration mismatch, which is, you know, banks that banks have always tended to borrow short and lend long. They did it in extremis on both sides, and and it handcuffed them to a point where they couldn't recover. I think right now you're seeing a lot of you know machinations among among various banks and among various depositors trying to trying to reassess things. And as you get those kind of readjustments throughout a large segment of the banking system, it's too early to say you won't see something else. But I I cannot tell you what it will be, and I certainly hope there won't be. And we have financials kicking off earnings season this week. I, I think I think what you're saying is it's too early to tell. But will we learn anything from that? I think I think so, and I hope so. I, I, it's funny because I'm on record various times saying I hate the fact that banks lead off earnings season. They're they're typically a, a terrible harbinger for what's to come because their their business is so unique, and really the only thing they tell you about earnings season in a normal year is what their customers are saying or what their CEOs tell you their customers are saying to their bankers. This year is quite the opposite because I think so many eyes are focused on the banks. I think what you get first are the are the big tier, you know, the money center banks as they were. They're getting lots of inflows of, of very, very cheap money. They pay almost nothing on their deposits. But, you know, that's sort of the flight to safety, so to speak. And I think it'll be interesting to see how there's this sort of the sequencing between the, the money center banks, the JP Morgans, the cities that go that tend to go first, and then the the following few days um, into the next week of uh, of the mid-tier banks and where their money is going and, and what they're telling us. I, I have a feeling the second, the latter part will be a little more interesting because quite frankly, the, the the money center banks have, you know, they have a nice business if they want to. They can pay you a, a basis point on your deposits and then go out and lend it to the Fed for, you know, 480 or so. So that kind of works for them. Jose, are we more or less likely to land in recession as a result of the banking crisis? What's your opinion? More likely. Recent data show that lending is down significantly on a uh, chain, percent change basis. It's down lower than during the great financial crisis. Deposit outflows also down significantly to levels that we haven't seen in decades. Take into together, like Steve said, that leads to the cost of funds for regional banks to increase as they try to perhaps drive more deposit inflows, while at the same time, because lending is falling, they don't have the same yield opportunities, right? So that essentially leads to earnings being subdued, the banking sector rather, continuing to be in consolidation, a lot of mergers, a lot lot of acquisitions more failures this year. In terms of recession, this is occurring at the same time that consumers are becoming exhausted. Prices are still rising. They are rising at a slower pace, but they are still rising at a time when employment opportunities are starting to soften significantly. Like we said earlier, also add 
The job openings have been coming down pretty quickly. Initial unemployment claims have been rising pretty quickly, not at an alarming level yet. But again, it's a delta kind of analysis there. That's that's worrisome. And I think um, overall, the credit crunch and the consumer slowing down at the same time leads us to recession in the second half. And Steve, what's the bond market telling you now? The bond market is telling us that they fear recession. It's very clear. I think the, the real question becomes for equity investors and as well bond investors is what's the pace of Fed tightening and the pace of inflation fight. I'm imagining myself at let's say maybe not even the May Fed meeting, but the June the June meeting, or you know, or or, or even the subsequent ones to that. You know, at what point is the Fed going to look at each other and say, you know what, we've whipped inflation here, let's just start cutting rates. They're not. I, I don't see that happening. The their their stable prices and full employment. It's clear from the last employment report that maybe things are not as robust as they were, but they're still pretty full. So we have an unemployment rate of three and a half percent. Are they going to just start cutting the rates because we go to 3.8, because we go to 4.0? You can argue full employment and just give me a yes or no, Jose, because we're running low on time. Full employment is probably somewhere closer to four, typically somewhere in the four and a half percent range, no? Correct. Yes. And and so I think it's a little, barring some sort of accident or some sort of catastrophic recession, I think the bond market is way ahead of the Fed, certainly ahead of the Fed rhetoric, but I think ahead of the Fed logic. And that, to me, is the real um, economic question that we're going to be wrestling with for the weeks and months going forward. Steve Zosnick, Jose Torres, thank you very much indeed for joining me today. And don't forget, folks, please visit ibkrcampus.com for all your financial news, commentary and learning needs. And look out for more additional audio commentaries at ibkrpodcasts.com. Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at ibkrpodcast.com. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education material, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry, or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and is necessary, see professional advice.